what his time is for. Yeah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 10 says, Who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Second Chronicles 16.9 says it like this. For the eyes of the Lord scan or run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. If you were here first service and took notes, this scripture was omitted. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, why didn't you use this scripture? I said, I missed it, but I'm not missing it this way. You need to add that one. I'm just telling you, that's how powerful that is. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God, speak to us today. Show us yourself. Let us see you, God, as maybe we've never seen you. This aspect of who you are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jay, good to see you today, buddy. I pray for you often. I know I don't, I don't see you often, but it's good to see you today. God has a really, really amazing plan for your life. You do know that. God has an amazing plan for your life. Just stay focused on him. Cut out the other voices. Don't listen to the other voices. Listen to the voice of God. Let God's hand lead you into that place that he has for you. Nice to see you, buddy. I read this, and I, when it said God's eyes scan, I immediately was taken back to when I was 10 years old. I'm a, I'm a 70s child. Any, any children of the 70s out there? And you're, this is about 70, 1975, 76, 77, right in there. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. But one show I definitely wanted to see was The Six Million Dollar Man. Mm. You know, you, you go back and look at some of that stuff now, and, and you know, it's, it's really hokey, right? But it wasn't hokey for a 10-year-old. I mean, that was, and it was Steve Austin, right? It was Lee Majors was the actor, but his name was Steve Austin. And, uh, you know, another reason why I wanted to watch The Six Million Dollar Man. The dude almost died, but thanks to the modern technology of the 1970s, <laughs> they fitted him with two bionic legs, I mean, the that was part of what the dude could do. He could just run like no other man. He had bionic legs. He had one bionic arm, and I was doing a little study on this, and they made his arm as strong as a bulldozer, it says. Bulldozer. But he also had a bionic eye. Do you remember that? Steve Austin, the $6 million man. His bionic left eye had zoom lens capability, could zoom in. It had night vision so he could see at night. And it also had infrared heat detection all built into the eye. I was just thinking about that. 
an eye scanning. I guess the modern uh, version of this would be the Iron Man, maybe. Any Iron Man fans out there? You can be honest today. It's all right. You see, God sees it anyway. Oh, man. Did you feel that right there, Billy? The Iron Man, here's, here's Tony Stark, state-of-the-art technology of, of the 2015 and this, this decade, this era, which gives computer-enhanced vision to this guy, enabling Stark to receive and process information in nanoseconds. We're studying God's anatomy. Who is God? The Bible talks about God actually using human body parts. God is not human, okay? Let me make this very plain to everybody. God is not a man. God is God. But the Bible describes God using human body parts. Today, we focus on his eyes. I want you to jot down some notes as we focus on the eyes of God. Now, God is no $6 million man. God is no Iron Man. God is so far superior to Steve Austin and Tony Stark, it will blow your mind. I mean, how can God look from heaven and scan the whole earth looking to and fro and taking in and processing everything? Because he's God. How can he see me and what I'm doing and yet see my family and what they're doing three hours away? Thousands of miles away. He's God. He's God. He is a living God. And he has eyes. What does God see? There's a few things that I found in the Bible that God mentions that he sees. I think this is noteworthy for us today. First of all, we need to understand that God sees our works. God sees our works. Psalm 33, verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven. Notice, notice these words as I read the scripture. Looks, sees. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. That includes the daughters, by the way. From the place of his dwelling, here it is again, he looks on all the inhabitants of the, of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Wow. Now when I say God sees our works, I'm not talking about where you work. Not where you go and punch a clock or where you report at 8.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock, you know, your 9 to 5 job. I don't know. Wouldn't it be nice to have a nine-to-five job, Jimmy, right? You know, you get up at the crack of dawn and you work and, you know. I'm not talking about that kind of work. That certainly applies, but it's way bigger than this. You see, God is watching what we do. He's watching our deeds. He's watching what we do for him. He's also watching what we do for ourselves. God is watching what we might do for the world, or in the world. God watches what we do 
for others. He's watching our words. You were actually created by God to do good works. When Adam was created by God, God created him to do right, to live right, to work right. Adam started off okay. God said, I've got this job for you, right? This, this work for you to do. Let's see if you can just name the animals. How many think that would be fun, naming the animals? Well, it would probably get a little bit tedious after a while. But that was his job. Part of what he was assigned to do. Sin came in and changed everything for Adam. Sin changed everything for Adam. Now, we were actually born into sin. Adam was created sinless, but yet he sinned. And then from that moment on, everything changed for Adam. We were born into sin. The Bible says all have sinned, and we all fall, fall short of what? Of the glory of God. So we will have to fight that sinful nature every day of our lives, but I want you to know something. God created you to do something good. He created all of us for good works, and he's watching from heaven to see if we will do good works. Not only were we created for good works, there should be a desire and an energy. I, I put it like this. We should be zealous for good works, eager for good works. What are you thinking about when you get out of bed in the morning? What can I do for God or what's going to happen that will benefit me? Titus 2.11, you've got to see this. Titus 2.11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, look at this, who are zealous, somebody say zealous, zealous for good works. Zealous, I mean not even just zealous. I'm ready. I'm eager. God has something for me to do today. God has someone that I get to influence today. I get to talk to somebody about God, for God. I get to reach out and help somebody today. Are you zealous to do something good? If left to ourselves, we're going to serve ourselves. If, we're left, if we leave it to ourselves, we'll be thinking about how we can benefit ourselves every day. Not good works. We should be eager and zealous because time is short. Come on and look at your watch. You'll see if I can do this in 20 more minutes or not. right away, isn't it? 
Can you believe we're in May? We're in May of 2015. What? First quarter's just gone like that. Watch out, you'll blink, and we'll be in June. I'm just telling you. My mother-in-law, how many months now? You came in December, January, February, March, April. You're about to step into your sixth month here, your new, your new location, your new purpose, your new ministry. Awesome. Wonderful. But six months just has flown by. Let's just not wake up and think it's just another day. Let's think God has something for me to do today. It may not be earth shaking. It might be very small, but it's not insignificant. And let me tell you this, God has got you. Mm. Maybe the insignificant is the most important anyway. Oh, we like, the, we like the big bangs, right? We like the pats on the back, and we like the accolades, and we like to be a part of something that's, wow, no, no doubt. But it's those little things that God just sees, right? He saw the lady slip the pennies in, Pastor Creighton, as he said. And he said, she gave more than all y'all. She was from the South, I think. You know... We're created for, to do something good. We should be eager, expecting, zealous. Mm, I'm ready. I want to help somebody today. I want to point somebody to God. And he, not only is he seeing that, he's storing it. Next sub point here is God knows our works. You've got to get this. Not only does he have eyes that are going, scanning and processing, then he stores it in this mind of his. I don't know. Remember, he's not human. He's just talking about human characteristics that it's listed in the Bible. But the Bible talks about his mind. He knows. And he's processing. You know, one consistent set of words, four words, that Jesus said to all seven churches in Revelation. You look at it yourselves. He said, I know your works. He said it to all seven churches. Ephesus, Revelation 2.2, I know your works. Smyrna, Revelation 2.9, I know your works. Pergamos, Revelation 2.13, I know your works. Thyatira, Revelation 2.19, I know your works. Sardis, Revelation 3.1, I know your works. Philadelphia, Revelation 3.8, I know your works. And Laodicea, Revelation 3.15, I know your works. Must be important to God. Must matter to God. He sees it. He knows. He knows what we're doing. He knew their works because he saw what they were doing or what they were not doing. He has eyes. He's the same God. Somebody say the same God. Eric, he's the same God, buddy, that has eyes. And he doesn't need glasses like I need. I'm telling you, he has perfect vision, observing, watching, hoping. Could I just say that? He's hoping we're going to do right. And he knows if we do or not. So, 
What have you done for him lately? <laughs> Thank you, Janet Jackson. Dun, dun. Seriously, let me, let me ask it again. What have you done for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? He's equipped you. He's put in you ability. While you were still in your mother's womb, not only did he give you the color of skin, the color of eyes, hair or no hair, feet. He also was depositing in you ability, hoping and believing that one day he's going to do something for you. Not everybody can sing, right? So if you can't sing, don't respond to Pastor Moses' request. He's got a request in the bulletin right now. You just make a joyful noise out there. It's all good. We love it. You have to find what God has put in you, you see. There's a first impression. Do you know what this is? This is a ministry of just welcoming people for the first time. How awesome is that? Greeting people. If you're grumpy, don't be a greeter. We'll find something for you. We'll pray the grumpiness out of you. God is doing something amazing here at La Palma. And the fish are coming faster than we can clean them. I'm just telling you right now. It's just, it's so awesome what God is doing. I'm telling you unashamedly, I need help. Some of y'all saying, yeah, you need help, all right. I read your mind right there. I heard that out loud almost. I need your help. Pretorius, I'm telling you, I need help. Here's one who's, you know, he'd do anything. He's already doing so much. That's the thing about, about church. They say about 20% of the people in church do 100% of the work. Our statistic isn't quite like that. Ours is actually a little bit better than that. But still not near where it needs to be. Because I'm not satisfied till 100% is doing 100%. Because I know that everybody has something that they can do. Here are two of my favorite women in this whole church. Joan Sellers and Bonnie Parrish. Listen to me right now. These two ladies could easily say, I've done my bit. I've sung in the choir. I've played the piano. I've done this. She was a board member's wife. I mean, these women have devoted themselves to the Lord and to the work of the church their whole lives. They're both in their upper 60s at least. Right? You know what? They're here every Monday. Every Monday, these two women are here volunteering to help the financial offering. It's amazing to me. My mother-in-law's here, and she's one of the ones who's taking this intro to Pentecostal theology. Now, she really is in her upper 60s. I say it because she looks so amazing at her age. She really does. And, you know, she, she loves where she is, I think, in life, you know. She's not checking out on me 
on this church and definitely not on what God wants her to do. Furthering her education and her effectiveness. Until God calls us home, we need to be working. We need to be working. God knows it, and we're all going to be judged according to our works. Maybe you don't want to hear that, but we better read this out of Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 and 13. John said, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done or according to their works. Verse number 13, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and hell gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, each one according to what they had done. God's watching. He has eyes that are seeing. What's he watching? He's watching our works or our lack of works. If we're working for him, if we're working for the world, if we're working for ourselves, we'll be judged by this and no one is exempt. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What are you going to say on that great judgment day when God says, what have you done for me? And he opens the book and he begins to look and see what you have done. Have you done enough? Work because it's still daylight. Work because you still have breath. Come on, somebody take a deep breath. Come on and now breathe that out. Do you know what that means? It means you are alive. It means you didn't die overnight. And if you still have breath, you still have opportunity. Work while you still can because the day is coming when we can't work. John 9, 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. It's time to roll up your sleeves and get busy. Doing the work. God is watching. God sees our works. The Bible also tells us God sees those who fear him. Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Those who hope in his steadfast love. Let me put it like this. Fearing God is respecting God. I don't want you to be confused today and when I say we're to fear God, that doesn't mean we're to be afraid of God. How many understand what I'm talking about? We're not to be afraid of God. We're to respect God. This is really speaking of giving God that place of reverence that no one else has in our life. Yes, God is a friend to the friendless. And we sing, I am a friend of God, and I love that song. I was in a conference when Israel Houghton had just written it. Remember Karen? He's like, I got this new song, and I mean, it, it's, it's not polished. It's, it's just so raw, but it is just in me. And he introduced this song at, at Clint Brown's conference years and years ago. 
and everybody just left singing this song. I mean, we're crossing the street still singing, I am a friend of God. And it just rang throughout our nation and really around the world talking about God being our friend. And it's, it's true, but we have to be very careful to give God that place of reverence and respect. He's not your buddy. Okay? He's our friend, but he's not our chum. He's not our buddy. He deserves to be revered and respected. You are God and I am not. Who am I that you would even be mindful of me? God, that you would hear me. That you would listen to me. You're, you're watching me? Yeah. God, I fear you. I, I respect you. I give you that place that no one else has. That's what this is talking about. Fearing God is respecting God. And it's just a smart thing to do. To fear God is wise. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insightful. See, when you fear God, there are benefits for that. He's watching those who fear Him, the Bible says. I, I, I can't do that. I don't want to disappoint God. I promise God, see. You'll be pressured on every side. You're going to be pressured, Anthony, on every side to do this, that, and the other. You have to make up your mind. No, God is, God is this important to me. I don't want to disappoint God. And I fear God. I reverence God. I respect God. And when you do, he sees it and he rewards it. One of the, one of the plain, clear rewards is you get wisdom. Well, who doesn't want wisdom? I need all the wisdom I can get. Solomon, of all the things he could ask of God, all the things he could have asked for longevity, he could have asked for riches, he could have asked for perfect health. He said, God, just give me wisdom. There's some folk coming in here asking me all kinds of things. I don't know how to answer them. I don't know what kind of counsel to give them. God gave him wisdom, and as a bonus, he gave him everything else he didn't want. Somebody's going to come to you, and they need help. Somebody that's hurting is coming to you. Are you able to help those who are hurting? If you fear God, he'll give you wisdom, and you'll be amazed. You'll be astounded at what comes out of your mouth. You'll be looking around like, who was that? Well, it was God in you. Because you're reverencing him and putting him in his proper place, he's giving you wisdom. Wisdom translates in every area of your life financially. You know, if you have wisdom, you can really excel and you can prosper financially, which will help you to bless other people and bless the Lord and bless the kingdom. I'm off my notes, but that's okay. Can I just encourage you for a second? Fear God. Fear God. Not man. And we, we go through life fearing people a lot. We fear what someone's going to say. We may fear what someone's going to do. 
how someone's going to respond. We live our life cowering over man. The Bible says not to fear man. Matthew 10, 28, don't fear man, those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. God, give us a reverence for you. Give us an awe and a respect and a fear for you, God. He's watching right now. Who's fearing him? Don't fear the government. Don't fear what's happening in this world. He's got the whole world in his hands still. <laughs> he still does. We don't fear what man can do. Even if they kill me, it's just earthly death. It's not eternal death. What does God see? Thirdly, he sees the righteous. He sees our works. He sees those who fear him. He he. He sees the righteous. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, you've got to get this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Somebody say all their troubles. Woo! Out of all their troubles, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only does the Lord see the righteous, look at everything else that happens as a result of the Lord seeing the righteous. It tells us that he also hears the righteous in verse number 15. It tells us that he doesn't just see the righteous, he delivers the righteous out of all of their troubles. Hallelujah. Verse number 17. It tells us in verse 18 that he is near the righteous. Aren't you glad? That he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother? Is anybody thankful today that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. That Midler, I don't know if she wrote the song or not, but she sang the song. She popularized the song some years ago. It was called, God is Watching Us. God is watching us. Only she said this part from a distance. Well, I don't know what God she's talking about. In fact, I know she's Jewish and she won't even accept that Christ is the Messiah. So it's a different God anyway. But I know the God that I'm talking about. He said he's with us. He's near us. Hallelujah. It's not from a distance. It's right next to me. He's walking with me. He's talking with me. Hallelujah. God does, doesn't just see the righteous. He hears the righteous. He delivers the righteous. He's near the righteous. He fights for the righteous. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've never had a brother. Three sisters. 
And I didn't mind calling on one of my older sisters to let her be my so-called brother when I was younger. You know what I mean? But if you were ever picked on and bullied, you liked when someone stepped in and said, if you're going to get to him, you're going to have to go through me first. That's what I see in, in, in Jesus. He's like a big brother. He's watching his sons and his daughters. He's watching the righteous. And the scripture tells us in verse number 21 there that he fights for the righteous. Verse 22, he redeems the righteous. He's watching with his eye, scanning to and fro, to and fro the righteous. Well, that's me. Now, that's not because I'm all that. God knows that I'm not. But when we come to him, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Our, uh, our, our goodness, our attempts at doing right are what the Bible describes them as filthy rags, like a stinky diaper. But we become the righteousness of God. I, you are righteous, okay? You're his righteous daughter. You're his righteous son. And he's watching. His eyes are watching. What does God see? What does God see? Number four, not only does he see our works, he sees those who fear him. He sees the righteous. I love this part. He sees the sparrow. How thankful we should be that this is included in Scripture. An insignificant, disease-carrying bird. So plentiful and, and common, yet God sees it. He sees the sparrow. We see this in Matthew chapter 10. I'm closing now. Verse 29. The English Standard Version reads it like this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father seeing it. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. All the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. The Amplified Version reads it like this. Are not two little sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's leave, consent, without your father's notice, him seeing this. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, then, you are of more value than many sparrows. Then I went to the message version, which I absolutely love. What's the price of a pet canary? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> mm. I've asked Claudia to come, and as we close this, I want her to sing this great song. His eyes on the sparrow. I wonder if you could bring back up Second Chronicles sixteen nine. Jackie, find that for me. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. You have to see this. This is a takeaway. This is what you should underline in your Bible today. The eyes of the Lord run, scan and fro throughout the whole earth I like this part to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him Claudia come and sing this great song for us today I feel discouraged and why should the shadows come why should my heart be lonely My constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he.
God has eyes, and he's watching us. He's watching us. He's watching to see if you'll let him in. There may be one here today. You're not even really connected to the Lord. You haven't asked him to come in and to help you, to forgive you, to put you on the path that he wants for you. You know, if you will just confess Jesus as Savior and ask him to forgive you, he'll do it. If that's you today, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I need prayer. I want to accept God into my life. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. That path that God has for you, man, is so powerful. Don't want you derailed. Want you focused. Lift your hands. Thank you, Lord, for your cleansing blood. It washes us white as snow. You're mindful of us, God. You're, you're watching over us. Wash over Jay now, God. Wash over him. Fill him with your Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Jerry, pray with Jay right here. I want to pray just one more for one more group here today. If you've been discouraged and you felt beat down, insignificant, like nobody really cares, today I want to pray for you and I want to tell you something. You're valuable. You're more valuable than a million canaries. Isn't that great how the message read that? You're precious in his sight. You're here and you've been discouraged and you felt beat down. Lift your hand right now. Let me pray for you before we leave. Hallelujah. That's going to leave you. It's going to be broken off of you. Father, I just lift up my brothers and sisters, discouraged, intimidated by the enemy. And I pray that today we would be aware and mindful that you're watching. You're fighting for the righteous. You're near the righteous. You will deliver the righteous. Hallelujah. Lift him up now, God. In the name of the Almighty, we give you thanks and we give you praise. His eyes, just that last part, is on the sparrow. And I know that he watches, say, I know. One more time, I know he watches me. I preached a couple weeks ago. I just want to hold you another couple minutes. And I talked about God's face and making God's face shine. How many remember this? really pleasing the Lord, putting a smile on his face. I want to give you an opportunity to 
make God's face shine just before you exit these doors. What I mean is, I want to help the people in Nepal. I hope your heart has been gripped and really broken over what has happened in Nepal. I don't know how it couldn't. I mean, I watched a video. They dug a baby out of rubble. I mean, completely covered in rubble. Did you see this? I mean, you almost think, ah, this is just a video. This is the manipulation. It's not. It's people are just buried alive. The, the toll is 6,000, over 6,000 dead, and it just keeps rising every day. I mean, there's such stench everywhere, just the smell of death because they can't get to all the, the bodies. And now it's been so long that those they do get to will probably be gone. I just think we have to do something. Surely you want to do something. I know I do. I want to do something. And there's all kinds of opportunities. Give here, give here, give here. But yet, what do we trust? Well, okay, so here I am as your pastor telling you, this you can trust. And we together, as a church family, will give to Convoy of Hope. I want to take up a special offering for, strictly for, the Nepal relief effort. It will all go to Convoy of Hope, earmarked Nepal. I want you to get a generous offering. And just before you leave, I want to make the face of God shine. I think this will do it. We're helping hurting people, Pastor Dave. <laughs> We've never even met him. We probably will never meet them unless in heaven somebody comes up and says, because your church gave, I was rescued. I was helped. Somebody gave me food and water. I would have died of starvation if your church hadn't given. I mean, that's that significant. Some of you can dig very deeply and give a very generous offering, but I would like everybody, really everybody, should do something. Because even on our worst day, we're far more blessed than the majority of the world. Do you know that? Let me take you on a, on a trip one of these times to a, a third world country, a developing country. You'll understand in a heartbeat what I'm talking about. Our worst day, our worst financial day, we're still, still far more blessed than the majority of the world. Surely you could give something for the relief efforts in Nepal. Who has just been broken over this, over this last week? Anybody just really been burdened with this? Nobody. Anybody? Come here, Yolanda. I'll take you. Come pray over this. I hope we're not so callous that we don't even, it doesn't even touch us. <laughs> it, uh, it broke God's heart. I'm just telling you. God sees hurting people. He wants to help them. How's he going to help them? It, through you, through me. Would you pray? for the, the rescue efforts and just the, the people in Nepal. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're touched by these people that are so hurt, Lord God. We don't know if they know you, Lord Jesus, but you're the great God, dear God. Come through and rescue those. Help them to rebuild, dear God. They have so much to rebuild. They're hurting, they're hungry, they're thirsty. Lord, supply their needs, Lord. We lift them up to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen. Thank you. If you're writing a check, make it to LPCC. Just mark your envelope, Nepal. I don't want to get this confused with your regular giving. This is a, just a special offering for the relief efforts in Nepal. Go right ahead, ushers. Thank you so much. Amen. So glad that you have come to the house of the Lord today. Don't forget, men, we are privileged to serve all of the ladies tonight. I think it's going to be an awesome night. I want you to come ready to serve. Get your serving uh, garb on. Yeah, let's just come ready to really dote over our ladies and love on our ladies and spoil our ladies. They work so hard for us, and we do love them. Amen. We want to dis dismiss you now in the name of the Lord. Go with God. Be blessed, and guess what? Be a blessing. Amen. <laughs>